It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan, a 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills and Mike taking up until 7 o'clock today. On this 15th day of April, 6.06 on the clock and 49 degrees and cloudy outside in southeast Ohio, it's a sports fan presented by J&K Contracting, and I'm riding solo today. Joey's got the day off. we got a big show up for you today. Uh, Bulldogs were in action yesterday. They defeated Alexander 9-7. to We'll have Trevor on the show and then calling in a little bit later at 6.20. It's uh, Lucas Moore calling in, and he was at the no-hitter yesterday for the Chicago White Sox against the Cleveland Indians. So that was a, a big day for him. Um, it's pretty cool to see a no-hitter live. It's pretty cool to see any piece of history live. So we'll talk to him about that coming up at 620. But to lead off the show, it's always good to have Trevor Stevens on with us. Trevor, how are you? I'm good. Oh, Trevor, you were, um, you know, unfortunately we could not call the Athens game yesterday. It got shifted from Alexander to Athens at a late time, and we just couldn't swing it uh, here for us personnel-wise. But it seemed like a pretty exciting game. Athens coming out on top, and uh, that was a game that you know was pretty close, nine to seven win. Uh, good day for the Bulldogs coming out on top. Basically, yep. So a win is a win, but Alexander basically outperformed Athens in that game. How so? Basically, they got key hits, and they were just like doing little loop, like not midway through, like everything, like short hop hit into the outfield and then Athens had two airs where they left which allowed Alec Santa to leave based on his on here which ended up scoring and then there was a, the first thing I wanted to get into is the play in the fifth inning where they, it was an infield fly Athens dropped the ball and then the Alexander runner ran from second to third and was initially called out. The umpire, so they cleared the field, they, we went through the inning, and then when Athens was about to bat, the umpires talked about it, and then brought everyone out saying that, based on the infield fly, the batter would have been out no matter what. And the play on third was not a flash, but Real Junior at third did a tag the runners. The runners somehow got to stay on third, and then Alexander doubled to defend the next bat is to score two runs so to keep them in the game. So it was a crazy play that basically changed the game. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it, uh, but whenever you come out with a win, I mean, the win's the most important thing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen a couple of times, I think it was maybe the first game of the season, but I remember an infield fly uh, that was not called. But uh, either way, yeah. Uh, player made the catch out in the infield and, and nothing else happens. It was not impactful on the game earlier on, but it was weird to but see this because... Was a, yeah. yeah, this was a drop infield fly, so not to get on people, but Will Mattis dropped it, so he got the air for dropping it. The batter would have been... The, so the batter was somehow safe, and then the guy went from second to third, got to keep, even though he was tagged out, got to keep third because they said it was not a flash out 
But the whole thing with the clearing the field, going through warm up for the next inning, and then coming back and overturning it was what was the strange part. No one knew what the call was or what happened or anything until basically after the game or after a few innings later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, you know one of those weird things, and you know, luckily for the Bulldogs, it did not uh, affect the outcome that they wanted in the game. Of course, getting the win nine to seven. Uh, over the Spartans yesterday. Uh, tell me a little bit about you know the starting pitching from Derek Welsh. I know uh, last time that we had seen him pitch, I believe it was against Amanda Clear Creek back uh, you know at VA Memorial Stadium, if I remember at the top of my head correctly. Um, but how did Welsh look? I mean, he went four innings, uh, four strikeouts. He's not basically faced. The way I'm going to say this night. Nicely is he's not like a late pitcher, but he's lacked his, he lacked experience. He pitched in middle school when he was here last, and then his family moved to Tennessee and then mm-hmm. came back. So he hasn't pitched much, but he has pitched before. I guess in summer tournaments he pitched some as well, but he's. This is where we need, like, Will Jenner to get healthy quickly so he has another arm. But I think this game is where we're in a cycle where we need to throw a pitcher, but it's not one of our top guys because of the pitch count rush that they have to deal with. Right. And, you know, you're not going to throw an ace out on the mound every single time. I, you know, I always like to get a Mets reference out there. But, you know, Jacob DeGrom's not going to take the mounds or Shane Beaver for the Indian fans uh, you know, he's not taking the mound every day, so you're going to need some pitchers to step up and eat some innings uh, You know, when he can't have a Cam Neese or a Will Jinder out there pitching. Uh, so, again, Derek Welsh went out there. He did a job, uh, and, and with Athens come away with the win, you know, so he did his job well. Yep, because I have him at four innings with 72 pitchers, so three days rest. He gave up 10 hits, and he gave up three runs four strikeouts and two walks. So, basically gave up more hits. Those 10 hits for Alexander was just hitting everything at into spots where Athens couldn't get them. But it was Athens' offense that kept them in the game. Well, it looked like, you know, I'm, I'm taking a look at uh, Jace Irvin on Alexander as well as uh, Phillips, Jacob Phillips for, for Alexander, uh, both having three hits apiece. Uh, Troy and I have talked about it at length a little bit on on a couple of the broadcasts, but you know it's different, and I'll say it again, you know it's different this year because it's a whole year off. Uh, kids that we haven't seen before. I mean, I, I haven't. This is my first go around you know, watching, uh, you know, the high school baseball and, and calling it. Uh, but Troy has been here a little while. You know, he's these are kind of some new kids because they would have been in eighth grade last time they had played organized baseball during a, a school season. Um, so what what did Alexander bring to the table that allowed them to be successful scoring those seven runs? It was the surprise because I guess because their record going into the game and still is they have no wins and now eight losses. So it is, but they have played a couple of close games. So I'm not sure why it is, but this was it sounds like this was their best offensive output for Alexander on the year. It seems like it, and baseball is that weird sport where anything can happen on every given day. Um, 
But again, you know, you can't take anything for granted. Of course, Athens lost to Ethan Stewart and Megs earlier this year, uh, as well as, you know, having their game, uh, 31 game winning streak snapped by Vinton County, who's a team that the Bulldogs are going to see tomorrow uh, over at Rano Fields. What is it looking like for the Bulldogs tomorrow? Tomorrow, so just like you said, Stuart, Megs be also beat Vinton County, but it was a different pitcher who pitched. It, so Megs has been Athens and Vinton County, but Vinton County is three and one in the TVC. They have they also have a tie to Eastern, so which is rare in base in high school ball. You don't see that often. But it's more of these guys who don't have life like Athens. When the sun goes down, you end up with ties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what, but, does the, what does the weekend look like? I'm trying to see who plays on Saturday. And uh, it would be Athens. We play the Central Crossing. Okay. And that would be two home but, games, right, on a, on a doubleheader? Yeah. It's a doubleheader. It's a 12 and 2 is what it's scheduled at, but... The second game normally does not start in time. And they're 4-4, four four, but they play, like, they're playing pick central tomorrow, but they play in a conference, like, that's, like, walking from Royal pick central. So they did they did beat Lancaster twice. It's the closest team to us, but they play in a much bigger, like, conference. Gotcha. Where they've been playing bigger schools, like, one tangent ones, Grove City. Did uh, I still have yet to go through the stats all the way through and, and check? Um, but the one thing that caught my eye was that you know Athens is doing pretty well in the state of Ohio with home runs. You know they're first in D two and tied for the lead in the state in home runs uh, with Pickerington North and Carnington uh, Lincoln. Uh, were there any home runs in, in yesterday's game? No. But there was a close one. I think Athens had, yeah, Athens had two balls that go off the right, no, yeah, left field fence. And what what do you think is the reason behind the offensive power surge? Because I know the Bulldogs weren't home run happy for a couple of years, and now it seems like you know the additions of Welsh and I mean Jinder Strong, Tanner McHugh Strong, and Peyton Gale has been swinging a hot bat, batting over five hundred this year. And what has kind of led to the power surge for the Bulldogs? Um, basically. I'm not, a couple of them are, like, surprised. Like, Will Jenner's home run, he's never had a home run in his life. And then he has a surprise home run. Peyton Gale's been on fire, so it was surprising that he hit a home run. So I, went, I also went back to look last two years with, like, the, the more dominant teams that Athens had. And I could only find three home runs over the last, in 2018 and 2019 seasons combined. So... We have seven now. Yeah, and I mean, it's the long ball, you, you always got to love it. Plus, uh, with Levi Neal hitting that ball you know, deep out into left center fields, uh, when a sophomore is able to find that success, that only means that you know, the future is, is going to look bright for him and uh, you know kids like Landon Wheatley and, and Neal and, and the rest of them. But either way, you know, Athens... Uh, with a little bit of a power surge, they look to bring the home run bats against Vinton County tomorrow. That'll be a 450-455 pregame for us right here on 970 WATH. And uh, over the weekend, I'm not sure if we can do the doubleheader either game 
I know we have a remote over on Power 105 uh, that, that we're pretty excited to do. So I'm not sure station-wise if we can pull it off personnel-wise, but uh, we'll, we'll do our best to try to have either one of those games on Saturday. But uh, I, I can't guarantee anything at this time. Okay. That sounds good. But Peyton Gale's having a heck of a year. Basically, he stood in D2 in batting average, and he's 10th in the state in batting average. So if you're a top 10 batter, your success should show in your team success. And that's what's happening. Especially since, you know, with that loss to Megs on Friday, going 0 for 3 for Peyton Gale, 0 for 3, 0 for 2. I think it was 0 for 2. Um, either way, you know, taking an 0 for in that game, uh, as did a lot of the Bulldogs. I mean, the Athens was no hit against Stewart, but still to have that high of a batting average and be among the, the state's best hitters, uh, that, that still shows you how special of a season Gale is having this year. But that also goes to his hot start. Like, he went, I want to say, like, close to 8 for 8 to begin the year. So, by having that, when you start missing, plus a list since that no hits, he's basically had put the ball in play. So, and he's getting on base, too. You're on base, get your hits, score your runs, and uh, you'll, you'll find a lot of success there. But, uh Trevor, we got Lucas calling in in about a minute, so I'm going to throw it to a quick break. If you'd like, we can uh, chat after the call. Uh, but uh, for now, I'll let you go, and I always appreciate you calling in, and thanks for all the information. But anyway, that's uh, Trevor Stevens. We'll see if we get him back after this. We'll be uh, right back after this. It's the Sports Fan at 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. This is Joe Mullins with the Radio Ramblers. We've been thankful to perform throughout the state, the U.S., and beyond, featuring bluegrass music, homegrown here in Ohio. We are certainly ready to get back on stage in front of audiences and at festivals and concerts after we have enough people vaccinated in the state. The COVID-19 vaccine will let us all get back in business doing what we love. Please roll up your sleeve. Ohioans have come a long way, and we can't afford to stop our efforts now. Don't procrastinate. Vaccinate. To schedule a vaccine appointment, see gettheshot.coronavirus.ohio.gov or call 1-833-427-5634. That's 833-427-5634. Do it today for a healthy Ohio as soon as possible. 1-833-427-5634. Ohio. Hey, it's Boots. We don't stroll, but we will burn rubber down memory lane. Talking drive-ins, car posters, and more. That's Auto Smarts Friday afternoon at 106 on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. Ohio Health presents the ninth annual Race for a Reason. This year's event is virtual and runs from April 17th to the 26th. Impact a local charity and test your speed with the Quidel 5K. Presented by the Ohio University Credit Union. 
and enjoy a scenic run along the Hocking River. Visit OhioRaceForAReason.org to register. The Ohio Health Race for a Reason. What's your reason? Now, for more of the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. And back inside for the Sports Fan, 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Mills the mic taking you up until 7 o'clock today. Flying solo with Medor having the day off. And it's always good to welcome back onto the program Lucas Moore, who witnessed some history yesterday being made as the Chicago White Sox no hit the Cleveland Indians, and then the Indians get the win today. Uh, it was an early game, 4-2. to two. But Carlos Rodon with a no-hitter and uh, a pretty special day at the ballpark. And, of course, uh, Lucas, you got to enjoy that game uh, front and center. Uh, but first, how are you? How have you been? Well, I, you know, the, how, are, how am I question and the no-hitter question are very related, Connor. <laughs> very, very related. Because, I mean, I love sports. Right, and I've I've been to a few high school games to broadcast them, but it's just not the same um, throughout the midst of the pandemic. There's nothing like going to a baseball game on a random Wednesday night. And my mother was vaccinated; she was finally able to see me. First time I'd seen her since February. Um, she was visiting the city, and me, my fiance, and Max. We all went out first baseball game, first professional sporting event in over a year. Rodon had a stomach flu on Monday so that he was forced to pitch on Wednesday, so he wasn't even supposed to pitch that night. And, you know, 38 degrees, hands are freezing, but it doesn't matter because I get to see my first uh, professional no-hitter. I saw one in high school. One of my buddies threw one. Um, but that's only seven innings. It doesn't count the same as uh, the full nine and, and nearly a perfect game. I was pretty frustrated there at the end with that hit-by-pitch. I thought I was going to be at a really special game, Connor, but it ended up only being a no-hitter. But only. still, check that off the bucket list. Check yeah. it off the bucket list. It was a great time. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I mean, we had uh, a no-hitter here thrown in, in high school, uh, actually against the Bulldogs on Friday. Ethan Stewart of Megs uh, almost threw a perfect game. He walked Will Matters, I think, in the fourth inning, and that was the only base runner he allowed. Struck out. 15 batters, I think. Something crazy. There was a scout there at that game. Uh, but again, I mean, it does not compare to an MLB no-hitter. Seven innings compared to nine innings. Uh, professional batters, you know, that's uh, still a, a really special day at the ballpark. Um, you know, it was just uh, I was watching it. I was listening to it a little bit. And Rodon coming in with a 4.04 career ERA doesn't really seem like the guy who has the resume to really go out there and quote unquote dominate, right? In 2020 at an eight ERA, 2019, a full season, you know, five, uh, 19 ERA. Uh, but yeah, but come, I think it's yeah. important, Connor. I think, I think it's important to understand Carlos's story. Um, he was the third overall pick. He was going to be the number one consensus overall pick. And then it's been injuries and injuries, and injuries, and he just hasn't looked right. And yeah, it hasn't gone right. You're right. Um, but he has elite potential. Um, and, and his success, if, if he pitches to his potential, now Reds fans know a no-hitter is no guarantee for success. Just ask Homer Bailey through two of them. Um, and Homer Bailey's the worst Red of the last 20 years from a personality standpoint. Um, but if he hits his ceiling as a professional pitcher, he hit 99 miles per hour on the 110th pitch. That's some C.C. Sabathia stuff last night. If he can be this all year long for the White Sox, 
they're going to win that division. Uh, no question about it. Um, because they found all these random guys who Major League Baseball kind of gave up on. Zach Collins basically begging to be a catcher these last couple of years behind home plate. Um, uh, Abreu was thrown out. Uh, he's not going to be an MVP. Trickles back around, gets MVP chance every time he comes to the plate in Chicago. You have German Mercedes, Rule 5 guy. I mean, out of nowhere. So this White Sox team's got a lot of cast outs, a lot of guys that are doubted. And, and after having lived in this city for over a year, cast outs, doubted, forgotten, left for dead. If that doesn't describe the Chicago White Sox and the city of Chicago, I don't know what does. This is a really special team, and White Sox fans are really, really excited, at least from my conversations with them in the bathroom and in the concourse. Uh, it was it was a fun night, fun night on the south side. Listen, you can't let the person go to the bathroom in peace. I mean, you're not standing next to him, are you, <laughs> when you're having a conversation? Well, when the bathroom's the only heated place in the ballpark, Connor, <laughs> you, you spend a few extra minutes in there underneath the heater, you know, chit-chat. You know, and especially you're talking to people in the concourse, you know, you're going to get a drink, and I'm like, nobody talk about it. And there's these random guys in front of me talk about what? I'm like, don't, you know. I'm like, no, what are we talking about? I'm like, nothing I know. Like, don't talk about it. And it was just a, it was a great night, great atmosphere, um, loud music on the train ride home. I mean, it felt like a return to some sort of normalcy. Um, it was a really good night, a really, really, really memorable night. And as a true Chicago, we had Portillo's delivered as we were walking home, met the delivery guy at the front door. Um, just a beautiful night, and I was very glad to enjoy it. And the fall of the Cleveland Indians is finally complete. I really don't like that team. I don't like the way they've constructed themselves or the way they handled themselves um, at the end of that game and throughout the season at the start of today's game as well. Well, so I yes, the Indians are not the same team that they have been over the past couple of years. Uh, I'm not going to go as far as to say that they've fallen so far as they still have their ace pitcher in Shane Bieber. I mean, their pitching staff is what's going to keep them in these games. I'm not really happy with what their whole lineup has. Uh, and I experienced, you know, not me personally, I've watched from a distance, but, you know, being a Met fan and having that trade go down, uh, that trade made no sense other than a salary dump that they weren't going to get anything for Francisco Lindor should he have chosen to walk. Uh, so you get something out of nothing. But, you know, Ahmed Rosario is a shortstop. You played him in center field today 0 for 4 with two strikeouts with three men left on base as your leadoff hitter. You know, he, he's not uh, – he's got to get hits. He's not going to walk. Uh, and then Andres Jimenez, who's a young talent, he can still – he's very, very young. I mean, he can uh, – high potential, high ceiling. I think he's the best yeah. player that the Mets traded away. Uh, but, you know, when you're – throwing out a guy who's played shortstop his whole career and now he's in center fields and then you get a young uh, shortstop in Jimenez who's not as proven as Francisco Lindor um, you know really? that, that team yeah yeah no no really um, <laughs> well no so like the Indians like you got to understand where this organization is at currently they had the failure of 2016 um, which I yelled out in the ballpark just for fun I was like 2016 and these Indians fans behind me were like hey wrong team dummy I said I know it's the wrong I, – like, I know we're not at a Cubs game. First off, I'm a Reds fan, so don't get your panties in a watch. And second off, listen, you lost that series. That's about you. That 2016 series was as much about the Indians as it was the Cubs. That moment in Cleveland Indians history, Connor, that moment 
was the turning point for the organization. They come back the next year. They're ah, 50-50, fall off the table some. And now they have to change their entire organization team name. They're selling. They're out. They don't want to win. You know how disaster it is for trying to change your entire identity of the team you've had since the 50s? Your fans don't want you to change the name, but you're going to. You know how disastrous that is if they go out and win the World Series? And now you got to change your name? Like, this organization's out. They're out on this squad. They're out on this rotation of players. They're doing the same thing the Reds did and in the middle of this last decade. They're going to sell, 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 tank, tank, tank. They have no interest in winning. That's, that's where the Cleveland organization currently is, which is fine. They're a small market baseball team. It's going to happen. But, you know, Tribe fans, they've been trying to convince me that their World Series window was bigger than just 2016. But it was literally just that 3-1 lead. And they're going to have to wait another 10, 15 years because they have never been a class organization in Major League Baseball. They have two, three-year spurts. They're gone for four, five, six years. They have two, three-year spurts, and they're back. So this is one of those four, five, six years where they're, they're just not going to be a good ball club, in my opinion. Well, in taking a look at the division, right, I think the Chicago White Sox are not what the record is right now, even though Cleveland did beat them today. Uh, Chicago's under 500 at 6-7, and seven, and it's way, way too early to take a look at standings. Uh, but Kansas City, like, there's no team. I don't think Detroit is going to be where they are right now. Uh, you know, Kansas City and Cleveland are the top two teams in the AL Central as it stands today. Uh, maybe Kansas City has you know, completed the rebuild from 2015 where they beat my Mets. But, um, yeah, I don't know. If, I think Cleveland might might make the postseason this year, but they're not going to be as deep as a team than maybe, let's say, the Yankees or uh, you know, the Angels. I'd like to see get in the postseason just for Mike Trout's sake uh, so you can get one of baseball's biggest stars on the biggest stage. Um, I don't know if Cleveland is going to be out of it this year just because I think their pitching can keep them in games, uh, but they're, they're definitely not a favorite to go deep in the postseason. I'll put it like that. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, that's just my view of it. I watched it last night. Um, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong, Connor. I, like, I think they're yeah. a postseason team, but I don't think they're going to go deep. And fringe, yeah, like they maybe. Get to play the, they get to, it, the AL Central is really weak. Right, um, and that's why I'm saying you know. that. Because I don't know if there's any other. The White Sox should be better than what they are. And I think that they're going to be near the top of the division at the end of the year. The White Sox are going to win that division. That, yeah. that is the best team in the division, right. in my opinion. I mean, that's the best team in my division. They've got a deep lineup. They've got some really interesting pieces in the rotation. Their bullpen ain't bad. Right now, they were they were six to one odds to start the year to win the World Series. I mean, they're, they're the they have Tony Larusa, who uh, we can talk about what he did in the <laughs> off season. Yeah, and not, unable to walk in a straight line and all that good stuff. But Tony Larusa has won a lot of baseball games, a ton of baseball games. And we in Ohio know that better than anybody. So I, I think the White Sox are the best team in the AL Central. Um, the Indians the Indians are going to go through stretches. They only scored – this team can't hit. They don't have great hitters. They don't have hitters with good attitudes at the plate. I, I just – top to bottom, I, I, I don't see where it's going to come runs-wise for the Indians. And you've got to wonder how healthy can you keep a rotation all year. If you have an average lineup and that rotation's good, now it's about the rotation health. And can you get 32 starts out of everybody? If you can't get 32 starts out of everybody, you're going to run into some issues. Because the Cleveland Indians, have they spent the last three years bolstering their rotation 
with big money, or have there been guys walking out the door? I, I just, I, I see the White Sox as the best team in the division, but the Indians might make the postseason because they get to beat on the Royals and the Tigers and the rest of that, um, and the rest of that division. I feel like we're disrespecting the Twins, though. Honestly. The Twins could be there. Um, I don't know much about Minnesota. I, I got to learn a little bit more about that ball club. Um, but, you know, nobody's really separate. And, again, it's very early in the baseball season. I'm way too early to look at standings right now. But all the teams in AL Central right now have at least six wins. Early goings. Um, so I, it could be anybody's division, but I think Cleveland at least gets a wild card, if if not wins. But I, Chicago, I agree, is, is probably the best, or the most talented team uh, in the AL Central this year. Well, and the problem is, though, Connor, they're going to have to be really competitive by the trade deadline. Cleveland will be. Or else they're going to sell more pieces. I mean, they are, they are they have put for sale all over their front yard. Well, so if by, the tra- if the, by the trade deadline, the Indians are six games out of first place in the AL Central, well, what's the point of going for a wild card? Go get some more pieces. Commit to this rebuild. You're going to change your franchise's uh, mascot anyway. Might as well circle into that new era by adding new pieces. That's how they're thinking. Also, we got to remember, every small market baseball team in the country was heavily reliant, more than any other sport, on fan attendance. Why? You have 81 home dates. 81 home dates. Ten times the home dates of the NFL. Ten times. Attendance is everything. If you're Cleveland, if you're Cincinnati, if you're Kansas City, if you're Minnesota, if you're a small market team, attendance is everything for your revenue. So if you don't feel like you're really competitive as a small market team, you've got to make up revenue. You know, you got to, this is the time you're going to see a lot of disparity in baseball. The Dodgers just signed Trevor Bauer. How? 40 million. Normal years. Per in year. normal years, some, some small market team, in normal years, some small market team would have had the war chest built up to try to make it run at Trevor Bauer, to try to fit him in there. But everybody's broke except the Dodgers. Everybody's broke except the Yankees. That's, that's how baseball is. Wealth did not just transfer upward in our economy. It transferred upward everywhere. Everywhere. And so if you don't have a salary cap in your sport, you're going to run into a serious, serious problem. And that's what we're going to see in baseball. Do you know, I forget one, there's a current ball club in Major League Baseball paying $45 million in salary this year. If I were to guess, forty, I would say it's the Pirates. It's the Pirates. There you go. And that's, do you know that's $45 million when you include AAA, AA, and single-A baseball? <laughs> well, forty. People, the Dodgers are spending $350 million this year. That is a bigger discrepancy than Manchester United and Norwich, who hasn't finished above 10th in the Premier League in 30 years. So, you know, baseball fans are the most complainers about European soccer and how unbalanced it is. Baseball is going to become hyper-aggressive European soccer if the players' union doesn't just accept the salary cap. Like, it's really going to hurt the game. They're in a really bad spot because nobody can compete. You've got unlimited money in Los Angeles. They're getting bigger TV contracts. It's going to be a real bad era in baseball unless they figure out a salary cap. 
and, and, and help these small market teams be competitive. And I will say, I guess in baseball's defense, when it comes to the World Series, they have not had anybody win the World Series back-to-back, at least in the last decade, right? I mean, you had the Giants who were dominant in the early parts. I think it was 10, 12, and 14 all winning the World Series. Okay, what um, city is what city is the Giant? What city well, are right. the Giants in? They're in uh, San Francisco. Okay, that's a big market. That is Actually. a big market. However, I'm not, but again, somebody else won it in DC, eleven. Somebody else won it in thirteen. Chicago. Kansas City like, won it in twenty fifteen. That's one Kansas City, and look what happened to them in twenty sixteen. They fell off the table. Now they're one of the worst organizations in Major League Baseball. But they won now, the World Series. Kansas- Okay, now look. Now let's look at the NFL, where a Kansas City team, when the same exact market plays down the street from the Royals, won the Super Bowl. What they do the next year? Oh, they're still the best team in football. Why? Because they have a salary cap. That's it. That's the difference. If there were no salary cap in football, the Los Angeles Rams would become the most dominant team in three years, and it wouldn't even been close. They have more money than everybody. And you might like that as a Jet fan, Connor. You might be able to actually outspend everybody and, instead of being organizationally incompetent and ruining everything. Uh, the but... Jets will still do that. Money's not an issue with the Jets, I'll tell you that. It's, <laughs> it's a different issue there. Right, but in the NFL, right, if you gave the Bengals the option to only pay $45 million to players, they would. Right, but they have to spend a floor. They have to get to a level. And they know that a team like the Rams can't spend significantly more money than them. So teams like the Bengals, who are in very small markets, can feel more aggressive about their spending because they know that they're actually maybe getting a competitive advantage. If you're a small market team, you can't pursue free agents in baseball. And that's been true forever. But we just had the most financially altering events of our lifetimes. And it financially altered everything upward. And the same is true in baseball. So, you know, if you want the Pirates to only spend $45 million on players for the next 10 years, go ahead, Players Union. You do that. But it's not good for the game. And it's not good for small market teams. And that's what this radio station is, for a small market team. The team just had their, the team just had their first Cy Young winner ever, the Reds. And they weren't even in the top seven bidders for Trevor Bauer no. because they're broke. Because they're broke, and there's no salary cap. That's not good for the game. Well, not good for the game. Before I let you go, I know, I know you got to go quick, but I'll ask you a quick question. This one on the Reds. Are they making it, or are they faking it in the early goings so far? I don't know, man. Max is telling me they're making it. Um, after watching those 22 scoreless innings in the playoffs, I'm going to sit back and let them show me what they're made of. There's some really interesting variables with the offense where there's a lot of potential there. Um, and, and the pitching staff can fill some holes. You have a random guy have a good year in the bullpen, and they can be really good. But I say this every year with the Reds. So I'm just not going to fool myself this year um, because they really didn't get better anywhere in terms of adding people. The question is, did the guys on the team get much better, which is certainly possible. They were a 500 team to project at the start of the year. And a 500-team projection at the start of the year can win the World Series. Can be a 103-win team. All that's possible. It's happened before. I wouldn't be completely blown away if this were a 95-win ball club and they were winning a playoff series. 
but I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm not ready to be confident on this team yet. I'm not ready to stand on the table and say that you, the listener at home, should emotionally invest 1,000%. This is it. This is our World Series team. Oh, yeah. I'm not... There's just – I mean, if this is like a fun red scene. Let's just keep hitting. Let's hang around 500. Maybe we can add a guy at the deadline, get some fans back in the ballpark. That's how I'm feeling right now. I, I think it's folly to think World Series um, after watching what I did in Atlanta. That was, that was so dreadful. If <laughs> if the Reds can hit, I think that they're a good good ball team, right? But they cannot go into a large slump like they did. It seemed like all 60 games last year where they just could not hit a lick. I mean, if Winker's hot and somebody else is cold, that's one thing. But if the whole team becomes cold at one point, uh, I think the Reds are going to be in for a rough year. But, hey, they've been hitting. They've been hitting well. Uh, they lost two to San Francisco. But let, let's see what that wow. happens with uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland coming up uh, this weekend for a weekend series. Yeah, uh, Reds need to grab two out of three, minimum. Um, I, these, are, or these are important early moments for the year because it is going to determine how the front office acts near the trade deadline, which will determine whether this is a playoff team or not. Because they need another piece. They need another bullpen piece. They need another rotation arm, one of the two. Um, but just hope this the lineup hits their ceiling, which is possible. A lot of great hitters in that lineup. A lot of good hitters that could be great hitters. So if everybody is great this year and they're rolling like it's 2010, then, yeah, this team can win the division. It's a weekend all central, too. So Cubs are down. Pirates are spending $45 million. I swear there's. There's some there's some uh, office buildings in the city of Chicago that spend more on payroll than the Pirates are this year, um, so it's I, I think it's a good NL Central to take advantage of, and we'll see. Twelve and eight at twenty games. I'll come back on here, Connor, and I will be the most excited person in the world about the Reds. Got to be twelve and eight after twenty, though. Not going to get excited before that. We'll see. It's always good to have you on, Lucas, and uh, you know we'll talk to you soon. But appreciate the phone yeah, call. Really appreciate. It. Really appreciate it, Connor. Miss you guys, Southeast Ohio. Um, and, uh, yeah, good luck to Athens baseball. I'm following closely. Got a lot of my eighth-grade players playing on that team. So, Landon Wheatley, um, Levi Neal. Yep, right up the middle, I heard. Yeah. Um, very, very excited for that, and uh, go Bulldogs. Again, that's Lucas Moore calling in after watching a historic game yesterday where the Chicago White Sox and Carlos Rodon no-hit the Cleveland Indians. But if you are a Cleveland fan, you are happy today as they come back with a 4-2 win over the White Sox today. Uh, we'll step aside. We'll go to another quick break, and we'll wrap up the program coming after this. 740-592-6646, 740-592-6646. It's the Sports Fan on 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Stay on top of the news every hour at the top of the hour with CBS News Radio on Classic Hits 97 at 97.1 FM, WATH. Want to buy your own home but think you can't afford it? What if you got down payment assistance or a discounted interest rate just for being a recent college grad, teacher, nurse, or veteran? The Ohio Housing Finance Agency offers this and more, and our programs are always available for eligible Ohioans, big city, small town, and everywhere in between. Find out if you qualify at myohiohome.org. That's myohiohome.org. Homeownership. 
ready when you are. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. This is the Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Sports Fan 970, 97.1 FM, WATH. Mills of the mic. Taking you up until 7 o'clock. It's a sports fan presented by JK Contracting. 6.46, the time on the clock. And still 48 degrees and cloudy outside in southeast Ohio. So, yeah, it's always good to hear Lucas. It's always good to talk to Trevor Stevens. And our phone lines are open at 740-592-6646. A couple of things to go over as the, uh, you know, show goes along. Division I Council adopt the new transfer legislation. This allows all student-athletes across every single sport uh, to be eligible to play immediately in the next athletic year. And that's a uh, big news coming out of the NCAA Division I. Uh, NCAA D1 Council adopted that. Uh, it was rumored that that was going to be in effect yesterday, and then it was ratified. It was uh, put in effect today, and which means that that will be a uh, you know, something that could factor into a lot of different things. And uh, it's not a transfer, but, um, you know, Jason Carter finished his career at uh, you know, Xavier, and then now he's coming back. So is it a transfer? Not really. Um, he's using his extra year here. But anybody who wanted to transfer for one year and be eligible is eligible to do that. And it could be Trevor, it could be somebody else, but the caller is live right here on the Sports Fan. It's me. Hey. It's always good to have Trevor back. So, you know, with the Division One Council allowing for the one-time transfer rule, uh, immediately, what what are your thoughts hearing that news? I have a feeling it's going to get interesting because coaches are now not trying to recruit to make the program like good, like it was four years. They're they're going to be trying to recruit year in year out because. You go to high. This is in the high schools more because you go into the high school. You're only looking for kids like more juniors and seniors who can help your team over one year. Hopefully, they get to stay four. But you're also going to have to start deciding how many spots do you leave open for the transfer portal. Right, and you know how that affects Ohio this year. Ohio had three players leave. Nobody graduated, and as of this time, Jason Preston is still on the Bobcat team, and he will still play in the 2021 through 2022 season. Uh, but the three players that Ohio had transfer out in Ohio men's basketball were Nolan Foster, Mason McMurray, and Riven McGill. So that had three open spots to which the Bobcats have now welcomed in and signed I.J. Izuma to Ohio, as well as A.J. Clayton, the basketball player out of Philo High School, and, uh, of course, Jason Carter transferring back um, you know, for Ohio. So they had the three open spots. They were able to get three new players in, and uh, all 
seem to be, you know, kids who can come in and impact the program not only this year uh, is in Jason Carter's condition, but in, in the years to come. Yep, and I know that the AJ kid is pretty good. And Jason Carter, he started here on the softball ops. He was recruited by that staff. Then he left with the coaching change, not knowing who the head coach would be. Played two years at Cincinnati. No, Xavier. Xavier. He played two years at Xavier and then came. And with the COVID, yeah, he's, because he's graduated, he can just come here and play, It's basically. But he still have to take classes to get him eligible. Right. And, you know, it, it's always, I know a lot of people are excited that Jason Carter's coming back. Uh, but I'm interested in the connection for Ohio men's basketball with, uh, you know, the Hargrave Academy connection because you had the assistant coach that came from Hargrave. You had Mark Sears, who was from Hargrave. And now you get another recruit. And this kid was being recruited by a couple of ACC programs before he decided to sign with Ohio in uh, IJ Izuma. By having a connection with that means we keep, we'll just keep, year after year, just keep digging in there, pulling up the kids. The only thing with that is we have to, like, hope that that program also does well, or else if they drop off, then you will see our program drop a bit. Oh, and, you know, that's where other recruiting ties come in when one program maybe takes a dip. Maybe instead of Hargrave, you go and, I don't know, pick a kid out of Pennsylvania or you pick a kid out of you know, another uh, top program. Uh, but I think that definitely goes to show, you know, yes, there's a, a nice tie-in with Ohio and, and Hargrave, but I'd even go further than that and say, you know, the recent success that Ohio has had might be attracting a couple of the higher-tier basketball players that were on the fence between which schools to go and play for. Especially if you saw how Ohio finished last year and then made the NCAA tournament run. So they were hot going into the conference tournament. They won the conference tournament in blowout fashion, and then they beat the defending national champs in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So that is going to help you recruiting these kids or even future if the wins keep coming in there. Success is there. And, you know, again, this was the second year for Jeff Bowles. The first year got cut short because of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, but back to back. Well, wait, kind of, kind of. Basically, they were basically, even though he won enough games to, like, qualify for the conference tournament, it's basically like just losing in the first round of the conference tournament. Oh, yes. So it's basically he had a full first year. It was full. But it was not complete, I guess we could say, because he was still going out there. And, yeah, even if you know, Ohio did lose. Yeah, they were on the, the court in Cleveland when yeah. the conference announced that the tournament was canceled. So they were at least one game short of a, a, a complete season. But either way, you know, Bowles in his first year, I would have liked to have seen what that team could have done uh, back in the 2019 team before the, the pandemic cut. You know, that conference tournament short. Uh, but in the second year, as a five seed, going all the way up, winning the Mid-American Conference Tournament, and then, you know, winning a game in the you know, National NCAA Tournament, uh, that, that's huge. That's huge for branding for Ohio. It's huge for awareness. And it's huge for uh, recruits who are on the fence and choosing which program to be a part of. 
And if you've seen the recent success that Ohio has had, uh, and yeah, when I had Russ on the program, he opened my eyes a little bit more and said, you know, Ohio never really has a quote-unquote down stretch. You have a couple of years where maybe they're not uh, quite as good, but there's, you know, 2012, um, you know, a down stretch for us could be, you know, 20 years of, of bad basketball for another, another program. Uh, but Ohio's been good uh, with the additional success last year. Uh, maybe Izuma was, uh, you know, inclined to to kind of get in on that. Um, but with the three spots open, Ohio gets three, signs two, and, and gets uh, Jason Carter back uh, after he was at Xavier for the last two years of, of his collegiate career. Um, I'm excited for the next season. I'm excited to see what Ohio men's basketball can do. And even though the, the transfer rule uh, isn't really in effect for Ohio this year, but should they get another transfer? If it was uh, Dwight Wilson had a transfer um, waiver and, and he was eligible for this season, but that was before the transfer rule, and he wouldn't have needed that waiver should this rule had come into effect. Um, but again, if, if Ohio continues the recent success, I think this team is going to be pretty fun to watch under Jeff Bowles for the next couple of years. Same. It should be fun. Hopefully we can get a full crowd in the condo this fall. Are you hearing anything with football? I mean, are, are we going to have some fans back at Peden Stadium for the football season? I'm not sure anything official yet, but based on what everything looks like nationwide, most teams should have some more fans, more than just the parents, but maybe not full capacity yet. Uh, hopefully by the fall, you know, we're... I'm hoping sometime in the summer we, we get to be able to get back to full capacity. But if it's not full capacity back in the fall, I'd hope at least some fans are, are packing Peden. Uh, and, and then I got to hope, I got to wish that, you know, the Convocation Center is going to be full capacity uh, when, when the basketball teams take their uh, you know, tip off uh, in the convo. And the other big thing that you know, I don't think I've mentioned on the sports fan before, but Ohio women's basketball is very senior heavy. It's very experience heavy, as now you have C.C. Hooks, who tested the waters in the WNBA, but has elected to take her final year here at Ohio. But C.C. Hooks rejoining the program to join uh, Gabby Burris, who's back, and um, Erica Johnson. Yep, and C.C., because she came back, she most likely, if we play a normal size regular season schedule, she will most likely become the all-time leading scorer here at Ohio University. And refresh my memory, the all-time leading scorer at this moment is? I actually don't know that on my head, but I know she's like 300 points away. And you, and based on the number of games, she should clip that. And especially if she was averaging like 29, 30 points per game. Right. And... Yeah, I've, I've heard the name before, and I, I can't put my uh, my finger on it right now, but there's a, a pretty legendary player who's at the top of that list right now uh, for Ohio women's basketball. But when you get CeCe Hooks back, uh, I mean, these expectations have to be, I'd say, through the roof because with Hooks being the best player in the Mid-American Conference on the women's side and with Erica Johnson and Gabby Burris, uh, you know, those three should lead you to a Mid-American Conference title 
you would hope since everybody's coming back. Is that what you think the expectation should be for this team this year, uh, Trevor? Yes, especially if you go back and look at your full season. You beat Notre Dame at home and the beginning of the year, so that team wasn't fully developed yet. And then you struggled your way through the season. And even though you did not win the championship on the women's side, you got to the semifinals and you played an overtime game to the conference champion who you nearly beat up in Cleveland. Right. So, again, we'll see what the uh, the women's team does, but high expectations for them. Uh, the Ohio men's basketball team getting better. A um, couple of big recruits. And, of course, with Jason Carter returning on the men's side. Uh, and then Athens baseball coming your way tomorrow. But with the show closing up, Trevor, always, yeah, always good to talk to you, and I'll see you at the ball game tomorrow. Yep. So one last thing is I the NCAA just announced that they're going back to the normal recruiting at calendar beginning June 1st means all of the COVID-related like, blockage of off-campus recruits is going to expire. And it should be huge, should be a big impact, especially for football, and I think the men's team's kind of set for this year, but for recruiting for next year and, and beyond. But again, that's Trevor Stevens, Athens Statistician, and uh, this has been the Sportsman right here on 970 97.1 FM, WATH. Appreciate Trevor calling in and Lucas Moore. It's always good to talk to, to both of them and, and good to have you with us throughout the Sportsman all week long. No Sportsman tomorrow. we got Athens Bulldog Baseball coming your way starting at 450-455 as Athens takes on Vinton County. I'm Connor Mills signing off. Columbus Blue Jackets coming your way later on today at 8 o'clock. And as of right now, CBS News is next.